Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this is our film discussion podcast, which uh, this is episode 17, I believe, which yeah. uh, is very nice. Yeah. <laughs> 17. Getting, getting up to 20. Getting it done. We're actually looking to do a little bit of a change in our format once we get to episode 20. Um, we're going to do a Dave and Lloyd origin story, where we discuss how we became friends, put together this podcast. We've known each other for over 10 years, so um, we're thinking it would be an interesting change of pace to, to talk just to each other about nothing in particular, <laughs> um, but just kind of reflect a little bit. So if you want to look forward to that one, it should be uh, episode 21 or so. Um, today we are discussing Martha Marcy May Marlene, which stars Elizabeth Olsen and is a film by Sean Durkin. And uh, this is one of his very first films, so it's an amazing sort of achievement. Uh, this was made for $600,000 and shot in just 20 days. Wow. And uh, we're going to be spoiling lots of elements of this film. So if you haven't seen the film, um, please try and watch it before listening to this podcast. As always, we, we don't want to ruin it for you. If we can avoid it, we'll try and give you a shout-out right at the beginning. Lloyd, the second film in a row with a slow burn to it. Yeah, What'd I like think? this one. I thought, oh, this lucky. Was, <laughs> I thought this was a very terrifying horror film, like a really true suburban... Well, if suburban, if you can say it, um, where the rural... Sort of like Chainsaw Massacre, where the rural... Um, um, horrors come pour into the suburban mm-hmm. um, there's one scene in where they break into a guy's house and they, they you know find out he's actually there because we're obviously going to use the house for mm. something and he tells him to leave um, that scene was so disturbing for me that was like the cli- and it was the climax because it could happen yeah, yeah. yeah it was so brutal and the the, the power of this um, cult that she's in um, is the numbers really? I mean, the fact that they outnumber this guy in yeah. his home—that they break into his home and outnumber him—and that he just doesn't know that there's another one behind him, you know—and uh, yeah, oh, and oh. also they seem to break into homes without any real reason. They turn on a treadmill, they kind of you know muck around and go through the fridge and spit in the food, and just... their moral um, code is very strange. It's that's what's freaky about it. Mm. What's right and wrong to them and how they go about things is scary. But at the same time, very, very real. Mm. Like, um, I guess they get these girls who, you know, struggle to live in um, or have a very hard life. Yeah, and, they, and and in the case of Martha Marcy May Marlene, yeah, um, we'll, we'll call her Martha because she goes by, um, what is it, Marcy May in the cult, and Marlene is the name that they all answer the phone with so it's like the, these four uh, three different identities that she has she has abandonment issues you know yeah. and so a lot of them are damaged as yeah, you're saying yeah yeah th- that's right um and yeah they get into this weird moral code with this cult group and um and it seemed very real to me and then leaving that she's trying to adapt herself into the suburban sort of lifestyle if i can say suburban because it's a very upper very upper class um, yeah, family they're she's like, moved uh, into. <clears throat> their um, resort house, you know, that they're sort of, they're on a getaway because their house is being refurbished and the interiors aren't finished yet. Yeah, sure. They've got disposable income, you know. And she can't adapt. There was like this party scene where she just had to meet, you know, people and she just couldn't do it. It was just freaking her out. And that to me was very real. Her paranoia. Her paranoia as is, well. Is the real. And she would... Con- in the, the way the film works is constant flashbacks. So you don't know... 
like any, anything she does will remind her of something she did in the past and then it'll reveal the whole scene and, and things like that it was like there's that scene where um her sister's um having sex with the husband mm-hmm. and she just walks right into the room while they're you know having sex and she just lies down right next to him she's she just does not know if that's a bad or good thing and i was like her, wow, her yeah. social skills have, have, have taken a hit gone. yeah 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 because the thing about this cult, and you don't learn a lot about it, yeah. which was interesting, is that they're kind of like hippies. I mean, they're living on the land. That's and right, yeah, yeah. There's kind of this communal sex thing happening, and they're kind of doing their own thing, and they don't have... Uh, this is the second cult film we've covered on our podcast. We covered Red State, and in Red State, by comparison, they are really doing the work of God, they believe, and they, um, you know, are, are killing people who aren't righteous or who are sinners and that yeah. sort of thing um it's a very good podcast if i say so myself yeah, that's my favorite one <laughs> yeah, people will enjoy that one so red state if you are interested it's on podmeifyoucan.com but in this case the cult environment in this cult don't really have a clear goal no um as you say the hippies it's just their lifestyle they like yeah, yeah yeah patrick who is the leader um played by john hawks um academy award nominated for winter's bone the other year um he seems to want to sleep with every female member and he gets people pregnant and they only have boys and that's perhaps the limit of his goals i mean to keep everybody there and maybe be a family maybe he has his own abandonment issues but the fact that we don't learn these things makes it more interesting i think you're saying to the um audience you can fill in the blanks a little bit more it's 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 not spelling it out in the way that perhaps Kevin Smith did in Red State. Yeah. Um, less is more in this case. Yeah, definitely. And I think the script also would have been quite short because there are scenes where there's no dialogue and there's just expression. You That's know. right, yeah. Yeah, which... Those um, dead moments where she's just left looking out at the ocean or something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, I wondered if you cared about the characters because for me... I only really cared about the Martha character. Yes, same. The sister, um, though helpful in rescuing her. Yeah, she was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, And though she tries hard, there's kind of an upper-class thing to her that makes them unable to relate. And her partner, uh, her husband, he must be because they're married, um, obviously, uh, he had this kind of creepy feeling to him and I kept thinking he was going to try and sleep with Martha. Yeah, there was that implication there, especially on the boat. He was leering at her, he was like leering over her he took her out on the boat, you know, he was seeming like he wanted more than just to bond with her for the sake of his wife. Yeah. I mean, that was a bit creepy. And um, then later, he completely flips on her and he's like, we can't keep her, we can't help her, she's not normal, all that sort of stuff and she gives them a lot of reasons to think that. Yeah. But I found him eerie. The sister, though trying to be helpful, there was too much of a gap between them. Age-wise as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what age they, they were, were both supposed to be. Completely different people. <laughs> yeah. And also, they, they didn't really like each other. Because when Martha finds out her sister's trying to have a baby, she says she wouldn't know what to do with a baby. And then... You're, talk- a hor- you're going to be a horrible mother. <laughs> yeah, which... For me, was a huge line in the film. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, we'll talk about that a little later. But I thought the only one you really care about, because you don't really bond with many people in the cult either, and there's not any other characters really besides her immediate family and her kind of cult family. 
So you only cared about her as well? Yep, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think enough time was given to anyone. Oh, well, maybe to the sister, but to anyone in the cult, really, because it was just revealed in flashbacks. Yeah, and also, I mean, it felt a bit like... Um, they were obviously all easily manipulated. Um, and I don't know why she was so susceptible to manipulation. She was with them for two years and stuff. And there's that kind of turnaround where she is running things and um, she is... A leader. Yeah. And she's helping manipulate this girl and, like, drug her and then that sort of thing. I mean, we'll talk about the the drugging later on. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that she turns and runs things, that was her at her most unlikable, you know. But she's still the only one I found you sort of care about yeah. in this film. You sort of worry... Because, I mean, that's, as a flashback... You know, you know what she's like now. You can forgive her past almost. Um, yeah. Now, this was uh, Elizabeth Olsen's big introduction. That she is the younger not, sister, not the twins. She's not part of the twins. She's, nope. okay. she's their younger sister. Sure. Yeah. So there's more. I than didn't know. I, I didn't know there was three. No, at all. They yeah. kept her kept her hidden. Every time somebody says the Olsen twins um, sisters, yeah. I just assume the twins. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, yeah. Mary Kate and Ashley. Yeah. Um, she had an acting job as girl in car in the Olsen twins movie How the West Was Fun because you know they do those kind of dumb kid movies like where they play twins no no, (laughs) I wouldn't have expected you to Um, the only one I think I know is called New York Minute or something sure Um, either way they're all about the same and they play you know either sisters who are too opposite and then become friends in the end. I mean, they all look like really formula, kind of PG children's packages. Um, but this is a real turn for an Olsen. You know, you could go into that kind of cardboard cutout world. Yeah. Her sisters are like millionaires, you know, and she's gone and said, I want to uh, nude up in my first role. I want to, um, you know, really accept this huge acting challenge. Yeah, no, it's a very mature role she's hmm. taken on. She's brave as well, yeah. Yeah, and um, the other thing is you really believe her as this girl who's been through this experience. I mean, I think she was really phenomenal, and yeah. I thought these were shades of, like, somebody who could, you know, win an Oscar one day and someone who's going to be around for a long time, you know? No, definitely, this has set a good foundation for her. Yeah, yeah. and she she looks familiar because she looks a bit like her sisters. Sure. But she seems, because of this role, it's the the introduction to her as an actress. And because it's so much more than you've seen from the other sisters. Yeah. I mean, I think Mary-Kate was on Weeds for a few episodes. Oh, okay, right. And besides that, I haven't seen them sort of... Branch out of that PG exactly. sort of movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know act really i mean they've got an empire to run so i mean maybe they're phenomenal as well and we just haven't seen it sure talented family perhaps um what did you think of the actual escape where she runs through the woods and she makes her way to that diner and the guy from the cult catches up to her and he just kind of casually kisses her on the forehead and, and then says, they just let her go <laughs> let her go yeah, yeah, yeah right at the beginning of the film I, I didn't get that at first. I was like, okay, so he finds her. Is, is he waiting for her outside? Like, how did she get into the car? Yeah, mm. that stuff was sort of left up, in the, left in the open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I just sort of... I didn't know what to make of it as well. Um, I guess I watched this a little bit knowing it was about a girl from a cult, and when she runs through the woods and stuff, I was thinking, oh, did she just escape the cult? You've still mm. got a lot of questions. Mm. And then I thought she couldn't have because they just let her go. 
you know and I guess because they're hippies you're thinking there's not going to be any violence and they're not going to be aggressive but then like you say they go into that house yeah well, where the guy that is interesting because a lot of times I thought they were breaking in to their to do violent acts or? well I thought they were breaking into the the architect's house the, sorry the, yes. the family's house a lot of scenes like every time they entered the house I was like oh crap here it comes oh, he, you know? they found her yeah, yeah but they never did and it gave you that paranoia that she also had though because yeah. the way that was blurred exactly and, and I thought that was the best achievement that's, yeah that exactly right I thought that was the best part of the film it was mm. really bringing you into a paranoia yep um, she didn't know what was reality at times like she, there's that line in the movie she goes, um, you ever get that feeling you don't know if it was a dream or if it actually happened? And that's so true. You really are in that reality, aren't you? You're just like, is this a flashback or is this happening now? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> As she walks from room to room sort of thing, um, this blur between the flashbacks and the present and the transitions are all really amazing and you're not sure it's disorientating. When she stands up and she's in the past and she sits down and she's... She's in the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. present. Oh, man. Fantastic. No, that, that was the biggest achievement, I thought, in this film. Yeah. And um, it actually won a directing award. Uh, I believe it was at the Sundance Film Festival. Let me just find it. Um, directing award at Sundance. US Directing Award for Best Drama. Wow. Yeah. Well deserved. <laughs> yeah, and um, Elizabeth Olsen's been receiving acting awards as well um you know at festivals and stuff where it's been playing and i just think it's a really interesting film six hundred thousand dollars shot in 20 days very impressive and really they would have shot this in two parts the the cult stuff and the house stuff Mm -hmm. and so you know you do one you do the other that's it you know it seems like 10 day shoot on each and very straightforward i like that ending where you don't know exactly if that's one of the cultish groups following them or what yeah and i call it the long good friday ending where you have the just the shot a close-up of them in the car i think michael clayton ended the same way and it's just their facial expression and something can happening in the background happening in the background you know and you just remain on that and then cut to black yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was very eerie in very this film eerie. yeah she um she suspects lots of different people are well not After. lots but lots of them are to do with the cult and when she makes that phone call oh yeah um, and then they it rings right back, back. Oh. yeah it's almost as if they found her yeah. and then when she's at the party she says something to the bartender she thinks he's one of them and that you know they found her and stuff and then at the end, oh, you see across the lake, there's that guy standing there. While just, she's... Lo- just looking at her, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I wondered if that was the husband initially. Um, I thought it was him just being creepy again. And I was like, oh, But what? it was never answered because I interpreted it completely different. I interpreted, oh, it's one of the cult members, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't at first. But then when he ran into the car, when she's in the car and he runs into a car to follow her, then I thought that's probably the cult guy because of the look on her face. But when it was just someone watching her across the river, I wasn't sure who, who that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, just Ooh, kind of a, a quick glimpse, a blink, blink and you miss it, Neil, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, I do want to talk about this ending because... Uh, a lot of people won't like it at all. Yeah, I feel... I loved it. I thought it was great. And that is where we differ. <laughs> you didn't like it. Because I have this problem with films that don't have endings. Right. And now the biggest... Uh, perpetrator of this for me was the Cohen dragon tattoo <laughs> <laughs> no uh, the Cohen brothers did a film called A Serious Man and it was um, I haven't seen that one it was about um, this Jewish house husband kind of guy who uh, there's a storm approaching I don't want to get too deep into it but the way it ends is so suddenly 
it's almost like it lost a spool. And when you're watching it in the cinema, it's almost as if someone just cut out the ending and it immediately sort of went to black and then credits. And I wondered when when we came out of that, my wife and I, we were saying, you know, the Coen brothers won an Oscar for No Country for Old Men. Now do they just want to see what they can get away with? <laughs> do they, they were like, oh, yeah. we didn't have time to finish the script. Just submit it anyway. It's cool. We'll get some notes. And then they submit the script and then they go, we love it. We love it. We love the ending. It's all perfect. Let's make this film. And they're sure. like, oh. <laughs> you know, and then they were committed to making it. Like, I wonder... Did they run out of money? You know, um, yeah. I, I need some closure, not all closure, but I feel like when it's lazy filmmaking, when you say make it up yourself. Now, the good thing about Martha Marcy May Marlene is that they gave us enough, maybe, that you can say that was the cult they're coming after her. Yeah, I felt um, the story was here she is trying to live um, in the suburban life, but the past is always with her. Um, and that's it. That's all you have to say. She's given it a go. They're going to send her off to hospital. And this is going to be a very haunting life for the rest of it, you know. See, the ending let it down for me. I, I really liked it up until the ending. And then I went, oh, that was it? it what? And, you know, I wanted more. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's a sign of a good film that you wanted to keep going. Sure. The Descendants was very much like that um, when we watched it. The, uh, you know, the film ends and you're like, oh, I could have watched those characters for another hour, mm. you know. Um I would have liked to have known more completely, I guess, whether or not she was thinking of going back because they were going to commit her to an institution and they couldn't help her anymore and they were going to put her in the system or whatever. Um, at that point, I mean, I'm thinking she's probably better off with the cult a bit too, you know. They just want to put her in, like, I don't know, they want to lobotomize her or whatever they want to do. She's insane and and uh, she's not going to have any legal rights. I don't know if she's under 18 and the sister's kind of committing her on her behalf. She did need help, though. Like, she needed help, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I would have liked to have known that... Uh, well, I guess I wanted to know if she was going to be okay one way or another. Whether she was going to run back to the cult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whether or not they would approach her and she would say, this isn't for me, or something. I, I could picture her being in the hospital and not liking it and just moving back to the cult and then running away Then visiting again. her, like yeah, the yeah. Patrick guy visiting her. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine that stuff, but you're never sure. So I felt like I would have liked a little more information. I would have liked her to have told her sister... Um, about the cult where she'd been for two years she never tells them and that massive confrontation when she says you're going to be a terrible mother I was like oh that's not the direction I thought this would go yeah, yeah. I thought she was going to say I've been in a cult for two years and then you can be sympathetic towards her but she keeps it to herself and doesn't want to disrupt their life and um, really interesting but I needed more answers I guess that was sure. you know, yeah, yeah. that was for me I mean perhaps it's exactly enough yeah um, to make you keep thinking about it. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But I feel more of a case of budget, $600,000, that at some point they would have had to have stopped filming. And this was the artistic choice they made to make it seem more intriguing. And it is intriguing. I want to know, you know, what happened. And I'm sure that there are... So either than... way it worked, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I just wish there was more, yeah. you know. I guess... Uh, a very watchable film, though. Sure. Um, John Hawkes, who plays Patrick, I know him, the cult leader mm -hmm. in the film. Um, I know him from Eastbound and Down, uh, the 
television series and he plays kind of a rednecky guy's brother you know and it's sort of a very different turn to see him in these serious roles i haven't yet seen winter's bone uh which is what he was academy award nominated for um so yeah but this was a really big change of pace for him mm. um what did you think of the scene where he's teaching her to shoot a gun and they yeah, think, that was cool yeah yeah and you, you didn't know he's gonna blow away the guy you yeah. know just shoot him he's a weak pathetic yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the human life is not really valued in this group yeah, yeah in this group and um, you feel like he could get away with killing somebody yeah i didn't mind the cult group till that scene <laughs> well they, they didn't seem violent until that scene yeah and then obviously towards the end when they break into that house they're violent again yeah. you know yeah. it's hard to and, and it was kind of um i didn't understand when the guy was sleeping with all the cult group members i didn't realize it was kind of a rape mm. i thought it was um yeah, I don't know why I interpret that. And then until I saw the drugging, I was like, oh, it's kind of a rape. Like, he's yeah. pretty much drugging them. And yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, we seem to cover cults and rape a lot in this yeah. podcast for a clean podcast. Well, we've been doing a lot of heavy theme movies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, it's really interesting and unsettling that they drug the women and then he rapes the women and then that's like the hazing their initiation yeah Yeah, yeah. and then somebody sits with them afterwards tells them how special it was and that you know you're cleansing yourself of the past share yourself and don't be selfish and then she's like I'm not being selfish well smile then enjoy the night you only have it once you know and then she smiles and it's this kind of manipulation and you know that was one of the more extreme things that yeah, they yeah. did and I'm sure that kind of thing goes on um, you know but I just found the drugging and everything and then the girls waking up in the middle in. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah just like wow okay yeah very full on yeah. and I mean and I, after that I was like I don't like these guys at all <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to guess that you know this would have been a way to get people pregnant towards the beginning sure. of this cult yeah. thing you know because then suddenly they're pregnant and they're not leaving and they're not going anywhere and they're going to have this baby, you know. And I did wonder, because Patrick, the cult leader, only has boys, what would happen if someone had a girl? Would they mysteriously lose the baby? Would they die in childbirth, you know? Was it the kind of cult where they didn't accept female babies, you know? Um, All the females seem to be recruited that way. Anyway, um there's a really materialistic tone to this film with uh the sister and her husband how you need the whole huge house she mentions you know you have a whole huge house does anyone else live here yeah Yeah. um they're having their house done the interior's not finished she gets her a kale and ginseng saying uh fancy drink you know from wherever she seemingly got it from and protein bars and uh, at dinner, they're like, what do you want to do with your life? And kind of, you know, um, putting her in, putting makeup on her and stuff. I mean, it's just this very kind of mask over all their problems and yeah. stuff. But she's seen the world through this living off the land. and Yeah, um, it was a great contrast, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, massive, massive contrast. And she says you learn to measure success by money and possessions and it's just not the right way to live you know and so her belief system is still stuck back with what she's been doing for two years you know with the cult she doesn't eat 
you know, much around them. And when she's eating with the cult, one of the most sexist things is that the men eat first and the women eat second. And yep. she's had this conditioning for years now. Yeah. You know, um, I just found that really weird. Yeah. I mean, I know people have left cults and escaped cults. And there was a story on, um, in Australia, we have um, Today Tonight and A Current Affair. And there was a story not long ago where there was apparently a um, cruise ship for Scientology. And they get you on the ship and then they don't dock anywhere and they just keep you on this ship in oh, international man. waters and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and like, you lose your mind. <laughs> exactly. And then you lose your mind. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You you know, relate to your captors and, and you start to believe what they believe and stuff. And I'm not saying anything about Scientology. That was just the example that was, yeah, you know, because yeah. this kind of thing happens in real life. I mean, there's a lot of backwoods and forests and, you know, a lot of world out there that... It's a big achievement for the film because I did notice that, how, like, if it was taken in a suburban sort of... Uh, from the get-go, when mm. she offered him her the power bar and everything, you wouldn't think nothing of it. you just go, oh, yeah, it's just snacks. Yeah. But because... I guess that's a big triumph of the film is really puts you in her perspective just like wow yeah you're right like all these great big things are just awful aren't they <laughs> well I mean did you think at some point she's better off with the cult no um, never I, I, yeah there were certain aspects I was like there were certain positive aspects of the cult living off the land I did admire that but there was too many ugly moments like the the moral codes I, I thought were too twisted like especially breaking into the rich person's house and then that was just pure horror that was on on par with texas chainsaw massacre i found it was so awful yeah yeah there were some really interesting shots in this film and when she is raped and he sort of comes out of the darkness yeah you know uh on the right of screen and you're just you're not sure what's going on initially she's waking up and it's just sort of horrible um then there was the scene as well where she um well urinate- see, I, I interpreted that very strangely I was just like oh uh, w- did she agree to them having mm. sex she slept in the middle of it and then just woke up and went, oh that's right um, you know and it wasn't until the, they were giving she was giving the other girl the, the powder drink. or whatever yeah, yeah yeah and then I realised oh my gosh you know um, okay. yeah I was a bit slow <laughs> now when they had the scene afterwards where she's saying it was so special and stuff yes, that's, yeah. that's the manipulation there sure yeah but then there's also that really interesting shot when she urinates on herself and she stands up and you only get her legs kind of moving around. And there's, right, yeah. And yeah. then she hides it under the bed. Yeah, yeah. But another, and I think the reason it got the directing award besides these great little shots was these long takes. Mm. Intentionally long takes. They would have had this one big setup and run the whole scene one time. You know, I mean, I'm sure they did more than one take. But yeah, yeah. The, the fact that they didn't cut away just gave you this kind of eerie fly-on-the-wall look yeah. at what was going on. That was great. When she uh, thinks she sees the bartender and thinks he's... Sorry, when she thinks the bartender is one of the cult That members, was all in one shot, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, the camera pans across to see her talk to the bartender and then pans back when she runs up the stairs. But then they put her up in a bedroom and try and sedate her and stuff and you're literally watching it all from one little point of view in the room and just watching her kind of get put down on the bed. What's wrong with her? And oh, I don't know. And, you know... It gives you this, I don't know, rear window kind of look mm. into what's going on yeah, with these yeah. characters. Very interesting. I think that was really, really well done. Um, the orgy style hippie lifestyle, you know, they're all um, in a room 
just doing it with each other and oh when they break into the house no no just in the well it was a flashback wasn't it yeah yeah what, but wasn't it when they break in, broke into the rich person's house and did they break into the house and all yeah, get it on with each yeah, other yeah I'm pretty okay. sure yeah yeah see I mean it's all blurs. and he was just watching yeah he was sitting stairs. on the yeah, stairs yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a room in there like, no I'm pretty sure that in. was after breaking in okay. yeah yeah <laughs> alright well there you go even <laughs> I, I think that's the reason why that, like, not only to muck around with things but to use it as like a okay yeah there you go well yeah that was <laughs> I mean it leads to her being all messed up about her boundaries like you said with yeah. um the uh, sister and the husband and she can't just walk in and just, yeah that's right yeah. yeah that's yeah I, I like I said the husband Ted um, played by Hugh Dancy I believe he reminded me and some spoilers here for Juno if anybody hasn't seen Juno Jason Bateman's character in Juno uh, wasn't ready to be a dad and he uh, tried to get it on with Juno and he basically wasn't happy in this relationship and there was kind of this same same thing going on with uh, Ted um, and the fact that he was leering and stuff over Martha mm. and saying oh you know she's happy I'm happy you know and she was questioning how happy he was in this relationship and stuff yeah I found um, found him to be very unlikable <laughs> and it wasn't just because of his accent or anything like that <laughs> Because he's British. We all know how Australians feel about the British. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I noticed that right after that whole rape scene, mm. the next scene was the song he wrote called Marcy's Song. Oh, yeah, that was a nice scene, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. They do these nice scenes, so you think, is she better off with the cult? Sure. Um, she's got a family. She's got people who won't abandon her. You know. No, there are definitely positives of living with the cult, but what threw her over it was the killing of that innocent guy, and then you know they were telling her get over it. You mm. know this happens, and she Things just happen. realized, you know, I can't stay. Yeah, here. there's no such thing as dead or alive. We just exist. Yeah. I mean, they justified the killing so easily, and that was like a huge point in the film. Yeah, and if they had been just a peaceful um, group incestuous peaceful group <laughs> incestuous certainly yeah but had they just been peaceful and not violent she might not have ever left because that event causes her to kind of escape yeah that was the know. trigger yeah and as well I mean she has access to like all the drugs and she's making the dinner I thought she could have drugged everybody and escaped sure but she didn't because she was chased you know and I thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity because you could have easily said, oh, well, she had access to the food, she had access to the drugs, she didn't eat much or at all, and she drugged everybody's food, mm. and they all passed out or got tired or whatever, and then she that was how she escaped. Yeah. Um, not the case. No, so. they didn't go there. Um, yeah, like I said, I felt for sure the sister would get told about the cult. But that yeah, that, that was all, yeah, that was interesting. That was she just hanging over yeah. her the whole time. Would have been a very different film. It I would have been very different. Yeah. I don't think they would have sent her away, and she obviously wanted to be sent away because she couldn't be with this. Sort it, of it would have led more to her telling them about the murders and then bringing in the police, and then it's a showdown with the cult. <laughs> it, I guess it's a betrayal to this family who took her in for two years. You know, like um, she sympathised with her captors yeah. and stuff. So I think the reprogramming is a huge element of this film, and she's not able to sort of distinguish. Which is why you get those beautiful kind of segues between the flashbacks. And, I mean, that's... For me, that's, like, the real 
gem of this film yeah. is just even for the those seamless transitions where she stands up and it suddenly it's a different time. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing what Sean Durkin and his yeah, team come up with next. I highly recommend this film. Yeah. It's really good, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that is it for this time. Hope you've enjoyed it. Again, www.podmeifyoucan.com for all the episodes you may have missed. And uh, the links on that page uh, will take you to iTunes. We'd love you to subscribe, rate our podcast, uh, Facebook and through Twitter, hashtag pod me if you can and you can request uh films for us to talk about in the future we've done two requests in 17 episodes so that's something <laughs> probably four by 34 episodes we yeah. are listening to our fans <laughs> we are indeed um also there's a link to our youtubes there and so you can see what we've been working on <laughs> and uh this was my choice this time to do martha marcy may marlene so lloyd i throw it over to you what will we be reviewing next week next week will be warrior I can't remember the director's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great start. Yeah. Well, it, by next week, we'll know. Yeah. Um, it's the Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, yep. uh, UFC fighting MMA. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. I'm, I'm really into the MMA, so it'll be interesting. I can talk a lot about that. And I'm more into WWE, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting. This film has been described as the Rocky of our generation, and it's yeah, it's done really well apparently at the box office and you finished watching it this morning on yep. iTunes wasn't yeah it? that's right I da- um, this is the first time I've rented from iTunes uh, downloading it although I think the internet isn't up to speed yet but this is definitely the future I can picture families um, having dinner and going kids what do you want to watch tonight oh, Iron Man 3 and then Renting just it type it iTunes. on iTunes with ITV or whatever yep. it's going to be like how we listen to music like all of music pretty much like I think some ridiculous percentage is all through iTunes you know digital charts and stuff yeah and I think um, once the internet increases that's where movies and TV shows are going to go you're just going to type it in and yeah yeah Yeah, watch it I'm amazed there's still like um, DVD stores in existence because yeah. I've seen so many close down. I think yeah, Blockbuster I'm, I'm went seeing bankrupt. them close them close down. Yeah, yeah, it seems inevitable. I mean, uh, we've got DVDs and Blu-rays, but it seems like the way of the future is going to be everything online. I don't even online. think Blu-rays are going to be around for that long. I think all optical devices. You look at the MacBook Air and how that's designed. There's no optical drive in it at all. Like mm. it's thing. The whole thing is like no, you download everything and then you just hook it up to external hard drives and so forth and I could picture everything just having a big screen TV at home with a little black box connected yep. to the internet and everything's cloud you know yeah 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 well there's the same the same way with books I mean I'm thinking of moving house soon and I want to get all my books on the Kindle so literally just carrying one small device um, instead of heavy books you know and if you have to move often or if you're a traveler this just seems perfect the big scary thing is if your hard drive dies you lose everything Mm. but at the same time it's all cloud so you just go oh you know hook into your account with amazon and goes, oh these are all the books you purchased yeah yeah it's all this sort of stuff i mean it's the way of the future isn't it i think people will be doing this in schools soon i mean for a world (laughs) and we've gone on a tangent a little bit but For a world that is, you know, trying to recycle and not use so much paper and stuff, it just makes sense to make everything paperless. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm going to miss, like, 
when um, music came around, uh, sorry, when iTunes came around, I thought, oh, I'll never go to that. I want to own the album. I want to own it physically, put it in a collection and so forth. Mm-hmm. And when I finally got iTunes up and running and the ecosystem with the iPad and the iPods and all that, I can't remember the last time I bought a CD album. You know, I, I transitioned so quickly to having it all digitized. Yeah. And I'm still at the same thing with um, DVDs. I like owning DVDs. I like the shape of the box sets that it comes in. I like having, like the having them on your wall. Yeah, I like having them on, on my wall. Mm. But I can really see, you know, like with TV shows and movies, just having it all digitized, typing in what you want, going through folders, rather than taking it out of a box, mm. putting in the DVD, waiting for it to load and so forth. Mm. Yeah, it just seems so archaic now. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, final thoughts. <laughs> so I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. Yep. And uh, next week, Warrior. Uh, it's out on DVD now, so you can go rent it or find it online or buy it like my brother did. I'll be uh, watching his copy with him. So uh, big shout out to my brother, Will. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. All the best. All the best.